Welcome, everyone. We're glad you're here today. Dr. Hobbs and Susan are on a well-deserved vacation. We have uh, Miss Allie Use, who is one of our members and also chaplain at Deaconess. She'll be bringing her message today. If you're a guest, we want to recognize you. There's some uh, red tablets at each end of each row. We'd like for everyone here to fill it out, our members and our guests, please. Next Sunday, we have uh, it's uh, Children's Advisory Committee meeting at 2 p.m. Um, then today, the kids, uh, CBC kids are going to Pleasant Point uh, for lunch after the worship service from 1.30 to 2.30. Um, we also, um, don't forget about the Sandy Patty. These are, these are on the back of your program. Uh, Christine has an announcement she'd like to make. We are forming a new church ministry team. Uh, this will be our uh, shut-in and special needs team. And so we're going to have a meeting with anyone that's interested in being on this team. That will be July 24th at 530, and that is also on the back of your worship folder. And basically what we're needing are uh, folks who are just willing to assist the deacons in the ministry towards our shut-ins and our seniors. And uh, you will actually, if you're willing to write cards, if you're willing to make phone calls, or if you're willing to also possibly visit some in the hospital at the nursing home or in some of our shut-in and seniors' homes. You don't have to be willing to do all three. Maybe you're just interested in doing uh, cards and phone calls. That would be fine, too. So you could actually be one of our seniors and shut-ins and minister to some of the other seniors and shut-ins. And so if you're interested at all, please come to this meeting on July 24th, and we'll give you more information about it then. Thank you. Don't forget, next Sunday, uh, the McDowell's are going to have us out for an open house. And Larry, are you cooking T-bone? <laughs> uh, it'll be hot dogs then. No. <laughs> We've got uh, upper volunteers are needed, and um, don't forget that uh, the, the league starts on uh, September 21st. They're going to have a meeting on the 4th. And also Phyllis McElwain has an announcement. This year in December, we are going to do something new. We're going to do a Christmon program the first Sunday of December. And it will be a program late in the afternoon or early evening. Uh, Christmon is like uh, similar to Hanging of the Greens. Uh, it, it's to prepare yourself for in the weeks before the coming of Christ. And uh, we do it by putting up a Christmon tree. And uh, there are symbols that represent Christ, and there's just, oh gosh, tons of symbols. And we had to start early on this because this is not a project you can do overnight. So the committee has selected 12 symbols for this year, and we have, uh, with the help of Mr. Vince Davis cutting them out, uh, we made four of each pattern. So there's 48 of them. And starting this Wednesday night at 530 
the materials will be here set up, and we would ask anybody, everybody, that you don't have to be crafty. They're very easy, like there's a star and a shepherd's crook and just some easy things to decorate. And we're going to start decorating the ornaments that we're going to use this year. Now, the tree has to all be done in gold and white. So we're kind of limited in our colors, but if you have any trims, beads, buttons, anything that could be used, uh, we ask you to bring it. We, have, we will have the cutouts. We will have the patterns to look at, but you're just free to use whatever your creative ability is uh, to put glitter on them or, or whatever. And everything will be provided for you. Pictures will be there. And then the program will consist of, of doing a symbol. There's a reading that goes with it, and then the choir, and everybody will be involved in Christmas music that's appropriate for it. And then you go to the next symbol. This is a program that we can do each year because next year we will add more symbols to the tree. So it's an ongoing program. So I would encourage you, it's open for all ages, children through adults, uh, you don't have to be crafty. It's very simple, but we just like to see how many different styles we can come up with, and we invite you to come. Everything will be provided, so uh, just bring yourself and participate. It will be the next three Thursday, uh, Wednesday nights, starting at 5.30 to 6.30, and then Bible study at 6.30. And then if there's folks that can't come to the early session, if you want to stay after Bible study, then some of us will stay and, and let you work on one then. I'm not sure it will take us three weeks to do them if, if you know, we have a good turnout because they're not really that hard. So uh, please participate in this. We'd appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Phyllis. I'm going to ask Chris to come up and uh, open the church for a business session. We have one real brief uh, business matter. It's uh, to amend our budget because our budget is approved on an up or down vote annually. To amend it, we need to also approve that on an up or down vote. It was, this was discussed Wednesday at the business meeting. You've got been handed out a one-page summary that captures the amendment to the budget and then uh, about a four-page front and back um, more detailed about the amendments that are taking place. On the four-page uh, detail, the only change in that would that uh, one change is that the organist's salary is not completely eliminated. It's reduced to $5 a week, so we would always have a line item for the budget. Uh, but just briefly to go over the summary, the one-page handout you've got, uh, the basic uh, cuts are in three areas, uh, personnel, uh, we've reduced our debt obligation by refinancing our mortgage and we're cutting missions. So if you see administration there on that one-page summary being reduced, that's in personnel cuts. Building and grounds is reduction in the mortgage, missions, and then also in music ministry we've got uh, reduced hours and therefore reduced uh, salary or personnel costs. Uh, this was passed by the church on Wednesday for an up or down vote today, so we'll uh, call for the vote here in a minute, but I just want to give you a chance to review the summary. Again, three areas, reducing the, uh, by refinancing the debt, reducing our monthly payment uh, that saves us several hundred dollars a month, personnel cuts, and mission cuts. Okay, 
Since it's a no discussion vote, I'll ask for a vote on to uh, approve the amended budget for the rest of the year. All in favor, signify by saying aye. Any opposed by nay? Okay, that carries. And the uh, business meeting is completed. It is time for everyone to stand and greet everyone in the name of Christ.
seated. If you would, please join with me in the response to the reading. It's entitled Justice. It's in your program and also on the overhead. Disturbing God when we forget that you created each person in your image. When we impose our own will over those already oppressed. When we increase the volume of self-serving speech while others have no voice. When we are silent in the presence of enemies of peace. When we fail to make room for the needs of others in our familiar places. When we turn our backs on the pain of others rather than walk with them toward their healing. Disturb us with your unguarded compassion until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like an overflowing stream. Amen. The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And you may recognize it is the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, He passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise.
Miss Mary D. What did I do, Georgia? You're laughing. Did I come at the wrong time? You know why? It's Roger Culver's fault. Because we're painting the house, and he kept bringing us tools yesterday to use, and John had me up on a ladder, and I'm just not thinking straight. But anyway, it's Roger's fault. Did y'all hear that reading that Miss Debbie did? What we kept? What What did we keep saying? What word did we keep using over and over and over? Shock. Yes, we did. Shock us into justice. How about justice? What's justice? Hmm. What is it, Joe? Justice is the store over in the mall. Yes. (laughs) It is. But there's another kind of justice. But you're right, Joe. It is a store over in the mall. Yes. Huh? Yes, there's a superhero justice. But in our house today, in God's house, let's talk about justice. Anybody want to read the definition? Come on. Read number one. Tim, can you help me? Read number one. Writing. I'll help you. Just behavior or treatment. Anybody want to read number two? Being. Being. Close. Reasonable, but you were so close. Beautiful reading. And um, do you all see justice out on the playground all the time? Do, do you see everybody you go to school with being fair or being reasonable? You know, sometimes we forget to be fair and reasonable. But God wants us to practice justice all the time. When those of you who are staying today and going to Pleasant Point to visit the old folks... Would you rather be out in the sun playing, or would you rather go to Pleasant Point and visit the old folks? Well, it would be easy to say I would rather be out in the sun, possibly helping John painting. But, you know, those people, we go see them the second Sunday of every month. We make them happy. We do make them happy, and they're expecting us, okay? So look at this. When we talk about justice, what's the word synonym mean? Do you guys remember that word from school? Synonym? Words that kind of mean the same thing? How about fairness? And this is why we did the reading with Mark, and we kept saying, shock us into justice, because sometimes we forget how to, be, how to um, use fairness and equity, how to treat people right, how to be righteousness, justness. And I thought the best one of all was to love kindness. Do you feel better when you're ugly to people, or do you feel better when you're kind to people? And that's what we're going to talk about today in Children's Church. And this is the coloring sheet while we practice our song for Pleasant Point, And it says, help those in need. And you guys are getting a beautiful start by helping those in need. Okay? All right. Let's go, let's go back to Children's Church.
Would you please join with me in prayer? Oh, most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today being thankful for all the many wonderful blessings that you've bestowed upon us. Dear Lord, we are thankful for our health, for our homes, for our livelihoods. Dear Lord, we are indeed thankful for this church. We ask that we can look within ourselves and find the means to keep giving to where this church can continue to grow and can continue to serve. We ask that our, your blessing be upon those who strive to work hard to keep this church up and going, make the rough decisions that need to be made to where it can survive. Bless this, our small offering. All that we can ask is that it can continue to grow and prosper. Keep us safe and sound. All this we ask in thy Son's name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
morning. As you're walking down the same road you have walked hundreds of times before, on your way from the large city back to your little community, you see something ahead. You know that this is not always the safest road to walk on, as it borders the community of people who are not like you. They are often dirty and seemingly uncivilized. But this is the more direct route to take. So you take your chances of going near the motley community of undesirables. And there are usually many people who take this road in and out of the big city, as it is a main passage. You wonder what it is you see ahead. It looks like a woman who needs help. As you get a little closer, you see that it is indeed a woman who needs help. But as you start to approach her and to ask her if she needs help, a couple of large men jump out and ambush you. They rob you, beating you to a near pulp, and then leave you there on the side of the road as they join the women, splitting the spoils of their victory as they walk away. You think to yourself as you are lying there, dirty, beaten and bloody, just off the side of the road, that surely someone will come by and see you and help you. It won't be long that you will have to lay there, unable to move on your own. After all, many people take this road, right? Shortly after this whole incident, there's a man who comes walking down the road. You think to yourself that surely he will see you and help. After all, he's the minister of one of the churches in the small community. Why wouldn't he stop to help a fellow Christian? But wait, where's he going? Why is he going over there, to the other side of the street? He passes by you without so much as a glance to see if you're alive. How could this be? It's not long until you see another man walking down the road. This time you think, surely he will stop. There's no way that the pastor of that huge megachurch in the city could pass by without stopping. You think to yourself that you might live after all. But he, too, is now making sure that he is as far away on the other side of the road as possible. He does not want to get involved in whatever is going on with you and your cries for help. Before you know it, he's gone as quickly as he came. Just as you are giving up all hope that anyone is going to stop and help you with your plight, you see someone else coming down the road. As they approach you, you see that it's one of the scoundrels from the community, one of those dirty, smelly miscreants who must be coming to finish you off. You think that maybe if you lie there as still as possible and you don't make a sound, they will think you're already dead and just pass on by. Just as you think you've made it, and he's not going to approach you, he turns his donkey around and comes back towards you. This surely has to be because he's realized that you still had breath and he was going to finish you off. As he stops, he takes something out of his pack. You cannot tell what it is, but you think it has to be some sort of weapon. But just as you think he's going to strike... He takes whatever he took out of his pack, bends down, and asks if you're awake. As he realizes that you are, 
he takes the wine that he had taken out and pours it on your wounds, cleaning them. He then pours oil on you and dresses your wounds. He picks you up and places you on his donkey. You are stunned as he takes you into town to an inn where his friend works. You are given a room and he stays with you through the night, tending to your wounds and caring for you just as the best nurse in the world would do. The next morning, you are again stunned as he finds his friend, the innkeeper, and pays him not only for the night, but for the next several nights, along with instructions for your care. And then he says that he will be back. And if any other bills are required while he's gone, he will pay them at that time. This was a lot of money. You think it was probably as much as he makes in a week. And then he leaves. I imagine that this is a story that most, if not all of us, have heard several times before. Probably hundreds, if not thousands of times. And if we're honest, we have probably told it hundreds, if not thousands of times ourselves. Needless to say, the story of the Good Samaritan is one that is pretty familiar to most of us. So much so that I would bet some of us, upon hearing the first few words at the start, tune out the rest. Because we think, this is something I've heard before. And I've heard the message that goes with it of, who is my neighbor? So many times. It tends to be a well-loved story among Sunday school teachers and lesson material providers. It is also also often a good fallback story for ministers in search of a last-minute sermon, all of which focus on the point of neighbors. I assure you that this was not a last-minute topic or a fallback story for me. Instead, it is a story which has been with me for much of the last several months, if not several years, brewing as I worked and talked with friends and at church. You see, I find it often to be a good thing to go back over those well-loved stories that we heard in our childhood and listen to them yet again, this time with fresh ears, at a different point in our lives, from a new person's voice, where we might be able to hear something new, which God is revealing to us. A new passage or insight which we have not necessarily considered before. I hope that this morning you will at least humor me as we walk through this story yet again. As Jesus told the parable, he did not choose the Samaritan to be the hero because he thought that someday the good Samaritan would make a catchy title for Sunday school lessons. No, he chose the Samaritan because... To the Jews in most of the region, the Samaritans were considered as half-breeds and unclean. They were the scum and less than human to some degree. They were the race that had developed in the region due to the Jews being in exile in the land of Samaria. Over time, the Jews in this region had been mixed with the Gentiles. They then intermarried and adopted some of the customs of their new homeland. People from other regions would actually walk around many miles out of their way, so as not to have to go through Samaria. This was why the Samaritans 
with such an unlikely hero. There was such a dislike for these people, and Jesus knew it. He played on these feelings to create his unlikely hero and to show not only the answer to his neighbor, but how we should treat our neighbors. You see, the Samaritan did not have to stop. He did not have to show mercy and pity on the man on the side of the road. He would have been well aware of the feelings that the man would have had towards him, the prejudice and disdain. Yet, he stopped anyway, despite this. And not only did he stop to see if the man was dead or alive, but upon finding that he was still alive, he started tending to his injuries. He took out his own bottle of oil and of wine to clean the man and flush out the wounds. He did not have to do this, especially considering that under normal circumstances, this man would have been like an enemy to him. Instead, he sacrifices his own goods for the sake of the man. He then puts this man on his own animal and takes him into town to an inn where he stays with him through the night. And then, as if that were not enough, instead of leaving him on his own, this Samaritan pays for that night and the next several nights, as well as asking the innkeeper to continue with his care. The amount of money was about two days' wages for this man. This might have been grocery money for the week or rent, but he was willing to sacrifice that for another man. Now, he could have, at this point, said to the innkeeper that this wounded man was his problem. But he still did not do that. Instead, he said that he needed to leave for a few days, but he would be back to check on the stranger and would pay any other debts that were acquired while he was gone. How many of us would do all of this for someone who by culture would despise us? And then give so freely of everything that we have in order to help this person in need. Giving our time, our money, our supplies and things which are precious and dear to us. Often today we as Christians go on mission trips or we're part of the group or the church outreach program. We take time off of work and pack our things and travel across town, across the country or even across the globe, in order to help those people in other places who are in need. I'm not saying that this is a wrong thing or a bad thing. I firmly believe that we should do this, as long as it is for the right reasons. We can, ex- we can learn a lot about how we do missions from this brief parable. For example, the Samaritan did not help this man in order to make himself look good. He did not puff up his chest and say, look what I've done. Instead, he gently gave of his time, money, and possessions because he believed it was the right thing to do. He did not leave him at the door of the inn. No, instead he took him in, watched over him for the night, and then left provisions for his continued care. Lastly, he came back to check on him, to see how he was doing, and to make sure everything was in order. He did not have to do any of this, but through this, he started a relationship with a stranger, showing his care and concern for him. After all, 
Jesus did not end the story with just answering the question of who is my neighbor. He went on to say, go and do likewise. Meaning, be like the Samaritan, helping those around us who are in need, regardless of their background. I wonder how often, while we, were, while we are on our mission trip, or our outreach days, we think about the people who we are serving. How often do we go back to see them again, building on the relationships that we're starting to form? And how willing are we to give of ourselves to meet the needs of those we are helping? The flip side of all this is the man in the ditch. Upon seeing the Samaritan, he could have refused to help. He could have said no. He could have said, I'd rather die on the side of the road than receive help from someone who is beneath me. I know what you were thinking here. You were thinking, but Allie, if he was unconscious, he could not have refused treatment. And this would be correct. But I think that at some point during the day, between the time when the Samaritan found him and the next morning when the Samaritan left, he probably woke up. And at that point, it would have been easy for him to say, I don't want your help. If he had not regained consciousness, it would have been easier for the Samaritan to have just left him altogether or to not have helped him to begin with. These two men were not equals. The man on the side of the road was, by cultural standards, greater. He was not a half-breed like this man who was helping him. He could have rejected having unclean hands touch him to help him. But he didn't. He welcomed the help. He allowed this man, who would have been afraid of or thought himself superior to, to help him. He entered into this relationship with someone who is not like him, who is seen as less than him. He accepted the grace and mercy, the charity that was being offered to him. In the eyes of the rest of the world at the time, the Samaritans were not shiny people. They were not the ones who people looked at for answers or guidance. They were not the role models. They were the ones that everyone else avoided. They were seen as dirty, anything but shiny and put together. They weren't seen as good. Whereas the man on the side of the road would have been seen as one of those shiny people. One of those happy and seemingly have-it-all type people. A righteous man. However, as Christ told the story, he flips the rules around. It was the unclean, the lesser, not the greater, who is the shining person, the one who is righteous. And the upright man was the one who was in need and had to accept it, the help, from someone who he, in normal circumstances, would have nothing to do with. I wonder how often this happens to us. How often do we need the help of those who we are normally think might be beneath us? Who are the ones we should be helping? Charity, mercy. Helping is a two-way street. 
We have to be willing to accept it as well as to give it from whoever offers it. I'm often pleasantly surprised by people who take a mission trip. And when they return, they talk of how much they got out of the trip, how much they learned. Often we go on these trips to soup kitchens, inner city missions, orphanages, other countries, etc. The list goes on and on. And we expect to give to the people there. We want to be the shining people. Those who are looked up to and respected. Those with the answers. But we want to be the role models and give our wisdom, our love, our resources to them. But it seems we forget that they are, too, they are people too. They have things to offer to us, not just receiving from us. It amazes me to see people who are sent out to minister to those and have this idea that they are go- going to change the lives of everyone that they meet when they leave. And when they come back, they're the ones who are changed. They have gone out on the road around Samaria and only to meet the good Samaritan. Someone who is different from them, who they were going to help, but instead ended up learning from them and being helped by them. It is like we sometimes forget that just because someone is from a different place or has a different background or have different practices than we do, that they are people too, created and loved by God just as we are. No one is greater or less than another just because of where we live or how we live. But at the same time, I ask, why do we feel that we only need to minister to those in foreign places, people who are different from us in some way? Why do we never take mission trips to the suburbs or to fancy office buildings? Is it because we think that people who are in these places don't need help too? That maybe they will look down on us like we are somehow inferior to them? Do we think that they have everything so together that they don't need to be ministered to in any way? What if the Samaritan had had these thoughts? That the man on the road was beaten and left dying was somehow better and he did not need his help. We have to remember, no one can be shiny, happy person all the time. It is impossible to always be happy and to have all the answers all of the time. But everyone can be and is a shiny, happy person some of the time. At times, we are the righteous man who is walking down the road, going about his business and looking down on others who is deemed undesirable. At other times, we are the Samaritan, one who thinks less of. Yet, it does not matter which of these you are at any given time. We all have something special, a gift from God to share with others, and a responsibility to accept those gifts that are offered to us by others, as we never know when we are going to be the Samaritan offering help and when we are going to be the man in the ditch in need of it feel that this was the deeper meaning of Christ's parable. Not just who are the neighbors, but how are we to treat them as well? Jesus was the Samaritan, 
looked down on by those who were leaders of the church. Those who told him who he was telling the parable to. Unlike most people in his time, he walked through Samaria instead of going around. He associated with these undesirable people in the community. He was one. Yet, he was willing and wanting to start a relationship with anyone who is traveling down this road of life. He is there to help the wounded. He has paid for our care already. And even though he leaves us, we are still in the care of the Holy Spirit until he comes back. He shows us how to live like him and follow his example of loving our neighbors, sacrificing for strangers, just as he sacrificed for us. May Christ go before you. May Christ come behind you. May Christ walk by your side and forever be in your heart. Amen. Amen.